Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. When I, when I look at the cross, uh, when I look at the cross, there's, um, there's, there's, there's the song that wells up inside of me that we used to sing um, growing up, and we were still... When we're, we're, so when we were small, growing up, we were still learning, um, learning English, uh, and so our, our songs were a, a, a little bit simpler, but but just so much powerful, so 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 powerful, uh, and, and we had the song that I used to love that went, um, "When I remember what the Lord has done, I will never turn back anymore." When I remember what the Lord has done, I will never turn back. Any and then my favorite part, I say no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. I will never turn back anymore. Thank you, Lord. Because my, my mother uh, is, said she will tune in, and I have to do this one for her. Yeah. Yeah. Yesulu, wechela emshabeni, selizoka laikilongo, simshangabeze. That one speaks of the, of the fact that Jesus is returning. It says that Jesus is at the door of heaven and he's, he's on his way back. He's returning. We're awaiting the, the trumpet sound. We're, we're awaiting the song and we are going to be reunited with him. We're living in this anticipation. Amen. Amen. We are uh, continuing uh, in our series on Leviticus, the gospel according to Leviticus. And it's just so, uh, it works so well that today we're, at, we're celebrating Passover celebrating the empty tomb, we're celebrating the risen Christ, amen, um, and uh, as we do that, uh, one of the, the, the areas that I want to highlight for us in the book of Leviticus is from uh, chapter 23, which speaks of the feasts, and so we, we have looked at various aspects of this book of Leviticus, and I hope that, that it's really allowed uh, an, an, an obscure Old Testament book to come alive for you as we have been navigating through this book. And I hope you've been able to find Jesus. Our hypothesis, our starting point, uh, has, has been that Jesus is to be found in every page of the Scriptures. And we're looking at this particular book uh, of the Old Testament, Leviticus, and we're saying Jesus is in this book. Let's go and let's find him. And as we've been uh, mining out the treasures of the Scriptures, Jesus has been emerging. And I'm trusting that as we engage together in in, uh, in, in this conversation today to discover uh, what, what are the teachings about the feasts? What are the feasts? Why 
uh, were, were, they, were they instituted? What, what can we learn from them uh, that even there we will find that Jesus uh, surfaces and we, we're able to look at that with fresh eyes and go, oh, wait, Jesus was here all the time. He's been here all the time. Amen. Amen. Now, we're not going to go through the, the, the entire uh, chapter 23, but while I want to encourage you to bookmark it uh, and to go through it in your own time because it's rich and it will also detail the, 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 the particular feasts uh, as, as they, they are laid out. And we, we, when we think of, of this idea of feast, uh, we, we, we associate it with food, and, and rightly so, right? It's, it's this idea of, of an abundance. We have, we have an abundance, and we enjoy this abundance. And, and so we come together, and we enjoy this abundance. But it's not limited to food, is it? Um, we can feast our eyes. We can, we can uh, feast our senses. We can enjoy uh, the abundance of all that God has created and, and, um, and, and, and wonder at the, at the mightiness of who God is. That in itself um, is feasting, but when if you go to uh, uh, do a, a word search of, of the word feast or feasting in the Bible, uh, you, you will come across this idea of, of prescribed feasts, which is what we are going to be uh, engaging on uh, for with, with the time that we have together this morning. Is this idea of this, that there are prescribed feasts that God gave to Moses for the people of Israel to uh, to observe. Uh, and uh, we imagine that there was purpose behind God giving uh, this, this, uh, these feasts, not as suggestion, uh, but as command. And, and, and so it's striking to me uh, that God didn't give the feast to be observed under particular context or circumstances. They were to be observed uh, whether there was plenty, whether there was scarcity, uh, God didn't ask what the conditions were. He gave the, uh, the, 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 the outline and he said, observe these feasts. And so the people of Israel had to uh, receive them, understand them, learn how to live them out, and not question whether these could be done uh, in, in the place that they found themselves in, wherever they were camping, whether they had crossed over into uh, the promised land, and so therefore it was appropriate now that they could observe feasting, or they had not yet crossed over into, pro- into the land of promise, so it was not appropriate that they could observe feasting. No, God said observe the feasts, and so they had to figure out where they fit in there. In fact, uh, God was so serious about the observing of the feasts, uh, th- there's a particular mandate that you'll come, through, come across in, in chapter 23, where he says that if anybody is found to not be observing the feast, they are to be cut out, cut off from uh, the people of Israel. So God was so serious about the observing of the feast. He said, you do it or you lose your citizenship. Uh, and, 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 and so we, if, if God is that serious about it, we can assume that there's meaning and there's purpose behind it, right? Uh, one of the immediate things that stood out for me was the, 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 when, when we, when we uh, place ourselves in the scriptures, and, and, and we allow the scriptures to, to kind of be a mirror to how we live our lives, there's, a, there's a, a little bit of a disparity that we start to notice. And one of the first things is that, that God had said to them, these are the feasts and these, this is how you ought to observe them, not taking context or circumstances into consideration. And yet when we look at how we live our lives as Christians today, how many times are we approaching the precepts of Scripture, the commands of Scripture, uh, with a conditional mindset, with a, uh, 
we, we, we've converted the commands of God to suggestions. Uh, and, and so we, there, there are certain things that are convenient for us to apply, and there are certain things that, because they're not convenient, we can find ways around them. And so an easy one for us to conceptualize is this idea that, okay, it's important for us to value community and the gathering, and scriptures teach, uh, teaches this, do not forsake the gathering of the saints. And so it's important for us to uh, uh, value the gathering of the saints, and so I, I, I hold uh, our, our corporate worship as a value, and we prioritize it, we attend Sunday services, and, and it's good until it's not, uh, I, until I get busy. And so when I get busy at work, it feels like there's a bit of a justification there that I can, I can now choose that I am not going to uh, prioritize community because I've gotten busy. Yeah. Or, or, or because somebody said something that I didn't like, uh, that, that, that somebody did something that I didn't like. So I'm carrying around a little bit of offense when it comes to church. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just not going to go. Yeah. It's It's conditional. It's, it's, it's us deciding how we are going to serve God. And yet God has said, this is how you ought to serve me. We've been carrying that DNA from the garden. Where God put certain precepts before us and we decided, no, we have a better idea. This is how we're going to have, we're going to operate in this relationship. We want autonomy. And that's something that we've had to navigate um, as, as, as a people from the days um, of, of the garden. Uh, but, but looking at, um, at, uh, at, at feasts, and, and looking at feasts uh, in context, I, I, was, I was doing a little, a little bit of a, of a, of a study, and uh, I came across this scripture in Proverbs 17, verse 1. It says, Better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Let that settle in. Better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. And I understood immediately that what the Lord was highlighting to me was that you can pursue food and drink. You can fill your house with plenty. You can build a kingdom for yourself. You can fill it with amazing furniture. You can have a fridge full of food and have no peace. And some of you know what I'm referring to because you've, you've dedicated yourself towards the trappings, towards the, 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 the morsels and the, and the food and the drink, but you dread going home. Yeah. And so we've built upside down. We're supposed to build in such a way that our feasts find context in our homes. And so it starts with our hearts, it starts with our relationships, and then to the feast. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 16 says, Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child, and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of the nobility, and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. And so from Ecclesiastes we learn that there is an appropriate time for work, and there is an appropriate time for feasting. If you're feasting at the time that you should be working, that is a perversion. And so we ought to understand the times and the seasons that we are called to work and work hard and apply ourselves. But when it is time for the feast, we feast. But we feast with purpose because it, there is a blessing when we understand the purpose of feasting, which is for strength. When we don't understand the purpose of our gathering and the purpose of our feasting, there is drunkenness. 
When we don't understand the purpose of our gathering, we lose the heart and the principle. And we, be, we begin to invent for ourselves what is the purpose of our feast. And we begin to fill ourselves with what is not of God, preferring drunkenness over being filled by the Spirit of God. When we lose sight of purpose, the purpose and the function of feasting. In Amos, God speaks to the people through the, through the prophet Amos in chapter 5 uh, from verse 1. He says, I hate, I despise your feasts. That's strong words. I hate, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Your gatherings don't please me. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. The things that you bring before me, I will not accept them. The offerings that you bring before me, I will not accept them. I will not, and, and the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. When we come before God and we say we're reconciling, we're making peace with him, we are in relationship with him, God is saying, I will not be there. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the, uh, uh, to the melody of your harps, I will not listen. You're singing songs. You're singing loud. I don't care what instruments you're playing. God is saying my heart is not there. If verse 24 is not in place, but let your justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. If you do not start from a place where our tongues and our souls are overflowing with justice that is flowing over like water and we're issuing over with righteousness, if that is not in place, then our offerings stink to God. And now our singing and our playing of instruments is a loud clanging noise that bothers him. He's saying put verse 24 in before you do verse 21 to 23. Before you bring your offering, before you sing your songs, before you offer your fattened animals, before you come together, assess your heart. Is justice flowing out of your tongue? Is justice flowing out of you in your conversations? Is righteousness issuing out of your heart and out of your soul? What is it that's coming out of your, of your heart? What is it that you are saying that's betraying the state of your heart? Because it is good for us to first fix, to first do the, the, the first things before we get to the issues of worship. Ah, this again, brother. Don't you have anything else that you can preach on? <laughs> no. This is all I'm preaching on. This is all I'm going to preach on for a while until we figure it out. Fix your relationships and then come to worship. Forgive one another and then come to worship. Release the offense in your heart and then offer to God. Stop playing church. Stop ticking boxes. Stop pretending. Do the right things. Because if you're not doing the right things, do you know what it's called? It's called religion. It's not relationship if you are showing up to offer your, your offerings to God. It's not relationship if you're raising your hands looking holy, but you're not getting along with your brother. You're not making an effort to fix your relationship with your husband or your wife, but you're going to shout the loudest in church. All right, that's not where I'm going to get my amens. 
They're like, mm, mm, and, and what else? Mm. We heard you the other week. <laughs> when we look at the, the, uh, the, the, the feasts, as they're outlined, and when you, when you go and have a look in, in, in chapter 23 of Leviticus later, you'll see that they're actually outlined quite nicely. And you begin to notice a theme that tracks through, through the feast. It's interesting to me that God says to Moses that these are the feasts that I'm going to give you, that you're going to detail to the people of Israel, and you're going to tell them how to live these things out. The first thing that is noted, and you'll see it right at the beginning of chapter 23, is the Sabbath. When he's giving them the regulations, he's giving them the laws and the system, the first thing that's listed there is the Sabbath. Gives them the Sabbath. It's important for us to observe the Sabbath. He gives, he gives them the, uh, the, the, the feast of the Passover. And we know uh, where the feast of the Passover uh, began uh, when in the Exodus, when God was getting ready to, to, to take the, the people of Israel out of Egypt. And, and the firstborn of Egypt was, was going to die. What did God say? He said, kill a lamb. And, and then rub the, the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and on the lentils of your houses. And when the angel comes over you, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And you shall be saved that way. And that was where the, the Passover began. I, I love that uh, you know, scripture is, is just so alive and you learn new things every time you look at it. And I was looking through the scriptures and studying and for the first time I noticed that, um, that the, the blood of the, of the lamb was to be rubbed on the doorposts as well as on the lentil of the, of, of, of the house. And, and I looked at it and I went, hang on, that's the cross. That's the cross. That's a picture of the cross right there. So there was a prophetic symbolism from the very beginning. That God was going to bring about a lamb who was going to be sacrificed on the cross. And he was going to be the ultimate Passover. And so we celebrate uh, this, uh, this Passover. Uh, the, the, the other feast that, that was given uh, by God through, uh, through Moses is that of unleavened bread. And so for, for that week while they're celebrating the feast, they are to eat unleavened bread, which is, which is bread without yeast. The thing that I love the most about this feast is that in preparation for the feast, every family would come together and they would go through their house and they would literally dust and mop and, and gather up from every corner that they could think of. Anything that, that was yeast or resembled yeast, anything that they could find, they would dust and, and sweep it up and throw it out because yeast was not to be found. In fact, they would burn it because yeast was not to be found in the camp. It wasn't to be found in their houses. They weren't supposed to use it. They weren't supposed to eat it. And it wasn't supposed to be found in the camp. And what does that yeast speak of? We, we, we see through scripture uh, that that yeast is a symbolism of sin and, and corruption. And so in preparation, remember at, at the Feast of uh, uh, unleavened bread, there were offerings that they would make before God, there were sacrifices. And so before they even went to offer their sacrifices, before they presented themselves before the Lord, they first did an internal audit. They first went into their own souls, into their households, into their relationships, and they swept up all the leaven. There is a good lesson for us to learn there as we present ourselves before the Lord. We are fortunate that we don't have to wait three times a year for us to present ourselves before the Lord. We can come before the Lord anytime. But let's be diligent to do the work. Let's dust our shelves. Let's dust under the bed, under the couch, under the table, in the closet, and find that leaven, find that yeast, find that sin, find that corruption, and burn it out. 
so that we may present ourselves before the Lord. Then uh, they, they had the, 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 the feast of first fruits. So the command was when you have, when you have come into the land of promise and you, you sow and you reap uh, a, a harvest, bring the first fruits um, to the Lord. And, 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 the, and, and then count uh, 50 days after that. That's the, 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 the feast of weeks, what we know as Pentecost. So uh, celebrate the feast of, of, uh, of Pentecost. Pentecost is not a New Testament feast. Pentecost is a feast that began at the foot of Mount Sinai. Uh, in celebration of the giving of the law. In fact, uh, it, 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 it kind of began on an anticlimactic note because the people, uh, you'll remember the story, they, they, they rebelled when Moses had gone up to be with God and they said he's gone, we don't know, where, he's gone for a long time, we don't know when he's coming back. They built an idol, they rebelled. God's anger came into the camp, 3,000 people died. On, on Pentecost in the, day, in, in, in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit came upon the people and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, Peter preached, 3,000 people were saved. Talk about a full circle of redemption. We can, we can list uh, some of the others. There's, there's uh, seven, uh, prim- uh, seven priests that were uh, feasts that were ma- mandated, uh, uh, but th- these are the ones that we'll, we'll, we'll focus on uh, for, for now, atonement and, 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 and booths and, and, and so forth. But when we look at these, these, uh, these, uh, these feasts, there are themes that are evident. There are themes that are evident. The first uh, evident theme is, is that of rest, Sabbath. Sabbath is important to God. Sabbath is important for us. It's interesting to me that, that, that there, are, there are other commands that God gave to us that are actually pretty difficult. Sabbath is one of the easier ones, or the, one of the simpler ones, but it's one of the hardest for us to observe. We're not good at Sabbath. We're not good at resting. Why? Why are we not good at resting? Could it be that resting is closely linked with faith? Because you see, when, when we have worked and it's time to rest and you're thinking that I, it, it's, it's, Sunday is, 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 is my Sabbath and for many of you Sunday is your Sabbath. But Monday I have a report that I have to do. Monday I have to present. Monday I have this, thing, this, this deadline. And so it's difficult for me to just sit and not work. And so I feel anxious and jittery. So what do I do? I begin to work. Why? Because I need to ensure that everything is controlled and everything is, 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 is in line. God knew this about us. That we loved autonomy and we love control. And to remedy that, he says, rest. Work six days, do all you can, and on the seventh, rest. Reflect on my goodness and see me come through for you. And so when we rest... We've reached, with, it's a declaration that I have reached the end of my powers. You know why? Because even if you gave me another 10 days, 20 days, I could not provide for myself what God can provide for me. And so I work diligently and I, and I, and I apply myself with excellence for six days, but on the seventh day, I leave it up to God. And I watch him come through. Because when the breakthrough comes, I am not mistaken as to the, 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 the origins of that provision. Right. 
See, if I've been the one who's like hustling harder and then something happens, I'm tempted to look at myself and feel pretty impressed. But if I know that I've done my part and I've left it up to God, when he comes through for me, I know where to send the praise. I had somebody once, I had a conversation with a guy once who told me that the reason he was walking away from Jesus um, was because he noticed that when he was following Jesus, um, uh, he wasn't... Uh, his hustle, that's why his hustle wasn't as strong as when he was um, out of relationship with Jesus. When he was out of relationship with Jesus, he felt like everything was on his shoulders. He hustled so much harder, and he loved it. And so, that, therefore, he didn't want relationship with Jesus. I thought that was the saddest thing I'd ever heard. We get to work hard, and then allow God to come through for us. Giving is part of these sacrifices. Giving is part. Um, of, of, the, of, the, of the theme, the prevailing theme that we give to God. When we give to God, there, there is a declaration even in that that um, the things that I have produced, I could not have produced on my own anyway. And, and, and my productivity is not mine anyway. Um, and, so, and so I give to the Lord as a thanks because He has given me the means and has taught my hands to create wealth. And so it is a reliance on God. God values the gathering, and we see that in, 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 the, in the various feasts. It's all about gathering. The people gather. They celebrate over a meal. There's, there's particular uh, things that we do together. God loves the gathering. God loves the fellowship. He wants to fellowship with us. He loves it when we fellowship together. That means for us, we ought to prioritize. That we, on a Sunday, we, we prioritize corporate worship. We, we're here together. It's a value. It's something that we do. That's what we do on a Sunday. We're going to church. We, we're, we're, we're prioritizing the gathering of the saints. In the week, we're prioritizing gathering together in our connect groups. We're prioritizing gathering together in our social spaces. Because we're not called to outwork our faith in isolation. Your faith is not for you and you alone. Your faith is not for you and your family by yourself. It is a communal corporate faith. And we outwork it within community. There's laws of generosity. Uh, one of the more prominent ones is, is this law of uh, the, the gleaning laws, which meant when, when it was harvest time and they were gleaning the crops, it said, don't, don't, be, don't be too thorough. When, when, you, when you harvest, leave the corners. If some sheaves fall off while you are gleaning, don't pick them up. Why? So that those who don't have fields can come and collect from your field, from what is left over. Today, many of us don't have fields that we harvest. Some of you do, praise God. But many of us work with a budget. And, many, and so the, we, we can look at our budget and figure out how to live with some margin within our budget. That we're not spending every cent that comes in. We, we are diligent. We are restrained in our spending. Why? So that there is some left over for those who can't even make a budget because they have so little. So that we can be a blessing to others. That is how we live out uh, these principles and these feasts in today's world. And of course, there, were, there, was, there was remembrance and reenactment in every feast when they gathered uh, uh, whether it was the finding of the, of the leaven in the house, uh, whether it was the eating of the bread without yeast, uh, whether it was the blowing of trumpets at the Feast of Trumpets, whether it was living in shelters at the Feast of uh, uh, Tabernacles, whatever, there was an activation. And the activation was meant to, to, to point to, 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 to something and to start conversations and to allow them to figure out how to incorporate what God had done into their culture. 
so that who God is and what he had done for them became part of their identity. That was the purpose of it. And I, 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 I love that um, when, I, when I look at the narrative of Scripture, there's, an, there's a gospel uh, narrative that I see overlaid over it. So, so the Passover, it's, that's, that's an easy one, right? We connect that to Jesus. Jesus becomes our Passover. And so Jesus is our Passover. Uh, but the, the, the feast of unleavened bread, what happens to bread when you make bread without yeast? Doesn't rise. Speaks of the Christ who died and laid in a tomb for us and the bread of life who did not rise. The feast of, of, uh, of, of the first fruits, Jesus who resurrected and became our first fruits. The feast of weeks of Pentecost where the, the Holy Spirit was poured out. The gospel is all over the Bible, folks. And Jesus is on every page. Question, why, why did they have to obey? Why did they have to obey? Lordship is probably a really, really good answer and could be, could be the only answer. I think it should be enough. Lordship means because God said so. Lordship means God, he, he is Lord. We fall under his rulership. It is not a, 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 a democracy. We don't, the kingdom is not a democracy. It's a kingdom that has a king. And it is his decrees, his rules, his laws, his way, his agenda. Our role is to say, yes, sir, how do I figure out, how, how do I apply that in a way that is pleasing to you? That's lordship. Uh, and, and so, and so there's, there's aspects of lordship, and, and, and we have the, the benefit of hindsight, in it, so we can see all the things that the, the Lord was doing and how it ties together. For them, they had to believe that this is good for them. And, and sometimes when we struggle with lordship is because we, we, we're either not close enough to God to know how, just how good he is, or we've looked at our own situation and we've thought, well, my track record suggests that actually I'm better off in my own hands. Uh, I can't trust God because, because look, look at how things have panned out. I've put things before him that he hasn't answered. Um, I've, I've gone through trials and what feels like tribulations. I've, I've, I've suffered. I've done all of these things. Not regarding the fact uh, that God is sovereign carries a much bigger view from, from us. So when God is saying, when we're saying, Lord, I want that blessing, and God is saying, yes, you can have that blessing, but I need to prepare you for that blessing because if I give you that blessing today, it will crush you. So let's go into some training so that you're ready for that. We're going, no, I don't want the training. I want the blessing. I don't want the process. I want the process. I, don't, I want the blessing. And we, we, we assume that the process is his judgment over us. So therefore, he must not be good, cannot be trusted. I must take my life into my own hands. And, 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 and there's this issue of being set apart, right? There's this set, set apartness. And so part of the reason why God was mandating these laws and these feasts and these rituals and, and eat this, wear this, don't eat this, don't touch this, don't go there, don't, all of these things was to set them apart from the people that they were going to live amongst. They, they, were, they were entering into a land of promise, but it was inhabited. And there were people who had been living there for generations and they were settled in their ways. I love this example that somebody uh, 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 shared with me that, um, you know, if you, uh, if you think about it in these terms, that um, the, the, the people of Israel were, for, for, for 40 years, were not a, 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 um, uh, an agricultural people, right? They weren't like sowing, reaping, harvesting, preparing, watching the rains, figuring out how to do the soils. Why? Because they, they, they the, the, the journey was catered. 
right? <laughs> Manna every day. Uh, so so, so they, they, they were sorted. They didn't have to worry about agriculture. Then they come into a land that requires them to be agriculturalists and farmers, and they're surrounded by people who have been farming um, and, and, and sowing and reaping in those lands. And how have they been doing it? They have a God of the rain. They have a God of the crops. They have a God of fertility. They have a God. And so when you come across these people and they're saying, we're going to teach you how to survive in this land. Uh, uh, sacrifice to this God, sacrifice to that God, sacrifice to that God, it's worked for us. Now you're standing there feeling, okay, well, what do we do? It's clearly a tried and tested method, but God has told us not to do that. What, so where are, we go, where are we going to go? Who are we going to trust? The temptation now is to look at the track record and to go, hmm, we are not farming people. These are farming people. They know what they're talking about. I think we should settle for their gods. God says, no, I want you to be set apart. I want you to be separate from those people, not to worship their gods, not to do what they do, and watch me come through for you. Amen. Scripture also teaches that the law is a tutor. Law is a tutor. And, and, and what, what, that, what that means is uh, that the law uh, was teaching the people how to be citizens of the kingdom of God. And so God was teaching them how to be in his family. What does it mean uh, when you're a member of this family? How do we behave? How do we treat each other? Uh, uh, how do we respond to, to provocation? How do we uh, treat people who come into this, to this household? Who are we when we go out there? All of these things that, 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 that are part of being part of the household of, of, of God. The law was a tutor teaching them. Why? Because without that tutor, they would have gone with the ways of the flesh. And they would not have known how to be uh, a citizen of the kingdom. Today, we don't have the tutor. Today, we don't have the law. What do we have? We have the spirit. And because we have relationship with Jesus, the values that God was teaching them through the feast, we live them out through revelation and through proximity. And so what was regulated there for us is through relationship. So the things that I say, do, think, partake in, don't partake in, behave, what, all of those things are not based on whatever feast is coming up. They are based on what pleases and does not please Jesus. And that is, that is who, who we are. So Jesus, Jesus fulfills the feast. Jesus, the, the feast point to Jesus. In, in Matthew 22, it says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Uh, and in Revelations 19.9, the angel said to me, write this, uh, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The kingdom of God is time and time again presented as a, as a, as a place of feasting, a place of abundance, a, a place of merrymaking. Uh, we, we, we look forward uh, to, 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 to the appearing of the, of the kingdom. It is a joy for us to be uh, in this kingdom. And when we connect the dots, we look at the Old Testament and the journey from the Old Testament into the New Testament, it becomes clear. Hang on. This is a teaching uh, that looks like a regulatory system when we look at it by itself. But look at it holistically. Jesus emerges to the surface. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet.
today we celebrate the, the, the Passover, that, and, and that is the feast that is relevant to us today. And it's, it's, a, beautiful, it's a beautiful time of celebration, and we, we have seen how the Passover has been weaved through the narrative of Scripture, starting from Exodus, the Exodus Passover, and the Leviticus Passover that was celebrated, uh, celebrating what God had done, but also holding in an anticipation for what God would do. And, and uh, today we celebrate because Jesus has become our Passover. He has become that lamb who was sacrificed. His blood was, was spilt. And, and we, we get to apply his blood on the doorpost of our hearts. And because we have his blood on the doorpost of our hearts, death passes us over. We're saved from death. And not only that, but we're invited into relationship with Jesus. And we're journeying together towards a promised kingdom. Because you know what the promise is? Jesus is coming back. That is the hope of our salvation. Jesus is coming back. So before we close, I want to quickly pray. And I want to pray for you. Um, if you are not in relationship with Jesus, or if you are not 100% certain about your salvation. If I ask you the question, uh, uh, whether you're certain, if you would die today, if you, if, you, if you go to heaven, if I ask you the question, if you think about Jesus coming back, Jesus appearing in the clouds right now, does that fill you, fill you with joy or does that fill you with fear? If that fills you with joy, uh, wonderful. Let's continue to pray and look forward to his glorious reappearing. If that fills you with a little bit of concern or, or, or fear, uh, then I want to pray for you because I want you to live a joyous life. Uh, if you're not certain about your salvation, you're not certain about what would happen to you if you die today, I want you to live a certain life. And so I want to pray a very short prayer. Can you raise your hand just to indicate for me if I'm praying, if you're receiving that prayer, I'm praying for you. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, beautiful ones. Father, you see the hands that are raised. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would release your eternity into your children's hands into your children's hearts. Those whose hands are raised, Lord, those who are acknowledging you in this moment, those who are inviting you, those who are saying, I want to be certain of my relationship with you. I pray that you would answer them. I pray that you would seal, place a seal of your salvation over them, the seal of the Holy Spirit, that they would be certain about their identity in you, that they would be certain about their, their, their eternity. I thank you, Father, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father.